I felt like the Lord wanted you to know that the enemy wants you to think that you're closed in. That the enemy even thinks that he's got you closed in. And it says that the Egyptians pursued all the horses and the chariots and Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by beside the place that they were at. And so even in the midst of what feels like you've been overcome, even in the midst of what feels like you've been surrounded, even in his mind, he's got you. Or he had you. And what I heard the Lord say was that the children of Israel, they said, it said that, that when they drew near, that when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and beheld the Egyptians march after him. So they were very afraid, not just afraid, but very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. He's always going to use sight. The enemy is always going to try to overwhelm your senses. The enemy is always going to try to overwhelm what you see. He's always going to try to overwhelm the way you feel because he wants you to live in that realm. He wants us to stay in the natural realm because as long as we stay in the natural realm, he's got us whipped. Everything we look at in the natural, everything we read about in the natural, everything we observe in the natural, everything that we experience in the natural is for the most part negative. And as long as he can keep us in that place of naturality, that even is a word, he will always whip us. And so the children of Israel were so used to bondage. Now hang on just a second, we'll press pause. Some of you are in bondage. You've been in bondage, you've been enslaved. And up to this point, you've seen some things. You've been freed, you've got some freedom, you've experienced a taste of freedom, and so you've come out of that bondage. And you think for one second that the enemy's just going to let it ride? So what does he do? He mounts up his strongest chariots, his strongest men, and he sends them out because all of a sudden now Pharaoh had a change of mind. And he's coming after you. And so the enemy wants to come back after you. You've experienced freedom. And yet now you are not in freedom anymore. It's like you feel it. So here's what they did. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Now, every one of us has had that question. Lord, you've, you freed me, but now three days later, three years later, three months later, whatever it is, it feels like you've brought me out here to just die. And the enemy will always come and he will always say, well, you know, you had it better when you was a slave. I mean, you didn't have that many problems. Before you made Jesus the Lord of your life, everything was hunky-dory. Before you stepped out and you made a commitment that I'm going to follow the Lord, then it's like all hell broke loose. Because it did. Because He's angry. See, He's jealous of you because you and I have the thing that He will never have. He, he, we have and we possess the very thing that He will never have. And that is to be like Him.
even the angels. So what, what is man? What is this man that you've created? What is it that you are mindful of him, that you have created him a little lower than Elohim? You've created him a little lower than God, not angels. You've created him a little lower than God. What, what is this man? And so you don't think that, that Satan is man as H-E double hockey sticks at you and I because we possess and carry and walk and live and breathe in the very atmosphere, in the very nature, in the very authority, in the very presence of God Almighty, which He will never have, which is what He wanted. He's angry. And so He comes after us. And He just see everything... That we, that we think about when we listen to him is a lie. And so he gets us to think on things that are not true. And we put ourselves back in that place. Well, I had it good when I was not saved. No, that's, that's a lie. We had it better in Egypt. I mean, it's like your memory, your short-term memory is dysfunctional. You don't remember how they abused you how they beat you, how they starved you, they did not honor you, they did not give you the dignity that they gave animals, they did not respect you, they didn't care about you, they used and abused and mistreated you. You don't remember what it was like before you saw the knowledge of the glory of God. You don't remember what it was like when he recovered your sight from the blind and you're telling me that the enemy will come and lie to you and say, well, you had it better when you were blind. You had it better when you were broke. You had it better when you were sick. But it's all a lie. And so what was Moses' response? Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Fear, in its simplest form, is meditating on things that are not true. It's meditating on things that are not true. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. Yes, Pharaoh's army is breathing down on your neck. And if you study that story out, you're fine that they actually could have stepped on over into the desert and begin their transition to the promised land, but God had different intentions and He turned them around where their backs were facing the promised land and they were facing their enemy. And I said, God, why did you do that? Because He wants to show Himself strong in the face of your adversary. And that should have been a better amen on that one. Why did, he, why did he turn them around? Why did he put them in a position where they had to face their enemy? Because the very thing that you think is going to destroy you, oh, that's where your deliverance is coming from. So they had, they had, the, um, they had the Red Sea on one side, and they had Pharaoh's army on the other. And the enemy will press you up against the wall and say, there's no way out. There's no way out. There's no way out. And he, if you're not careful, we will go back and we will say, man, I had it better win this. 
I had it better when we didn't have this. I had it better. No, that's a lie because you didn't have it better because it's twisted. You were abused. You were mis- Now you are free. You may be in the wilderness, but I mean, let's just examine the wilderness for a moment. In the wilderness, their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They didn't go for lack. He rained down manna in heaven, from heaven to them in the desert. They just started their journey. They left, if you remember, Egypt with gold and silver. So the Egyptians paid them reparations. And they left. And now all of a sudden, because the enemy's coming up against you, there's a temptation. Listen to me. There's a temptation to look and say, Oh, Lord, what have I done now? I done got filled with the Holy Ghost. Seems like things were better before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They weren't because you weren't a threat. See, if the enemy is not attacking you, if he's not coming after you, then you must not be that much of a threat. Isn't that what your grandmama used to tell you? Honey, if they're picking on you, they must be concerned about you because you must be doing something right. If they're talking about you, if they're mistreating you. The enemy's trying to get you to look back. The enemy's trying to get you to look back. And trying to get you to examine and trying to get you, and it's all a lie. And some of you, I don't know, I know, but I don't want to say, some of you have been in captivity. You've been in bondage and you got free. And now all of a sudden the enemy starts putting these thoughts in your mind. Well, you know, you had it better when you was in bondage. Because at least the enemy's not coming after you. And I'm trying to get all of us to see, to open our eyes to see something. In Isaiah 59, 19, it says this. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, I heard a minister say this. Now, I've, I've, I've started to study it out. But I heard a minister said he talked to a Jewish rabbi, and a Jewish rabbi said this. He said, oh, you Christians, y'all read that wrong. He said it should read like this. <laughs> when the enemy comes in, comma, Like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The enemy doesn't have a flood. He doesn't have that capability. When the enemy comes in, comma, don't you love commas? Comma, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so what happened to the children of Israel? He said, fear not. He said, Moses said, do not be afraid. Now bear with me. Stand still. Some of you just need to stop moving. Just be still because the enemy of faith is getting in a hurry. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which He will accomplish for you today. Today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see no more forever. Woo, that was for you. The Lord will fight you for you, and you shall hold your peace. The Lord will fight for you, Kevin and Trish. He'll fight for you. Stop, don't, don't try to... 
He'll fight for you. You just remind him. So, okay, listen, you said you'd fight for me, so I'm just going to hand this battle over to you. He'll fight for you. He'll fight for you, Robert. The Lord will fight our battles. And here's the amazing thing. The very thing that was the biggest obstacle, the very thing that seemed impossible, there's no way. So our human reasoning comes up to this ocean, to the Red Sea, and our human mind begins to calculate how in the world can we get over this thing before they get to us. And your mind starts going and going and going and going and going and going. And before you know it, the enemy's got you locked down in a situation where you're already defeated before the battle even begun. And Moses said... Fear not. I'm telling you, fear not. It's not going to do you or me any good. Don't fear. But let us put ourselves in remembrance that when the enemy comes against us, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Do you remember, do you remember the story when, um, I think it was Elijah, 2 Kings chapter 6, where the prophet goes out and the enemy of the Israelites, Pharaoh, every time he set out to destroy them, the Israelites knew he was coming. And he gathered his men together and he said, how in the world do they know what I'm going to do when I've planted in my bedroom? And they said, the prophet knows. And he said, well, you go find the prophet and you bring him to me. And so they sent out an army to go after the prophet. And the prophet was asleep. You need to rest. And his servant woke up and went out and saw the armies. And he came in and said, Oh Lord, what are we going to do? And he said, Fear not. <laughs> For those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And he asked the Lord to open the eyes of his servant. And he opened his eyes and he saw fiery chariots and angels. Listen to me. Those that are with you are more than those that are with them. The financial pressure, the societal pressure, the peer pressure, whatever pressure is on you, that which is with you, those that are with you are more than those that are with them. The only way I know to, the only way I know how to tell you this is, is, is to give you is to articulate it like this. I have flesh just like you do. We have flesh just like you do. And I'm telling you that it is real when that fear shows up on your doorstep. You can't just ignore it and act like it's not there. It's real. His armies are real. But there's something that's more real. There's something that's more pressing. There's something that's greater and mightier that fights on your behalf than his enemies. So they're standing at the Red Sea. And Moses said, fear not, for today the Lord will deliver us. And then the Lord said to Moses, he said, why are you talking to me? Tell them to move out. Stick your rod in and take your staff. And he put it in the waters. And the waters... The waters parted to where it says there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. And they walked on dry land. 
I don't understand. That's like, walk, that's like when Peter walked on water in the midst of the storm. It, your mind goes, well, everybody knows you can't walk on water when it's a storm. You can do it when it's calm, but not when it's a storm. It's like everybody knows you could part the waters and walk, but your feet are going to get muddy. He said, no, no, I'm taking my children through the very obstacle, through the very thing that's stopping you, through the very thing that your back is against. He said, I'm going to take you through it where you won't even have a remnant of the problem. There will be no evidence just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there will be no evidence that you ever walk through the fire. Only God can do that. And the very thing that was, that was barricaded them from entering into the promised land, the Lord parted it, moved it. What is it in our lives that is preventing us from stepping into everything that God has called us to do? Because you and I have a word. We've got the word. We know what he has said for us to do. But there is something that is in the barrier. And I'm telling you, you're not going to fight it. You're not going to whip it in your own strength. We are not going to do it by praying in tongues for eight hours a day. We are not going to get it by confessing our mouth and confessing and confessing in our own words. The only way we're going to get it is when we rest in Him. And so now our confession becomes a byproduct of what we know inside. <coughs> when we pray, now it becomes a byproduct of that time alone with Him. When we declare something, when we say in the name of Jesus Christ you will align. We're not saying that because it's catchy. We're not saying that because it feels good. We're saying that because the Spirit of the Lord there's unction on it. There's unction on it. And See, you don't have to look to a servant Moses. You get to look to the Holy Spirit and you you get to be the one. We get to be the one that stands in the midst of that obstacle and say, Lord, what do you have us to do? And he may say, speak. He may say, so. He may say, leave. He may say, whatever it is that he tells you to do, do it. Because the miracle took place when they obeyed what the Lord said to do. What is it that the Lord has told you? What is it that He spoke to you? The atmosphere in our culture, in today's society, is charged with an anticipation of what God is doing in these last days. And He's moving and He's shifting and He's, and he's putting things in alignment. And there is something that has taken place I, can, I don't even know how I can describe it and articulate it. it it's not like the days of old. It, there's something, it's like an anticipation of the finality of what Jesus is doing today. I used to say, Lord, we don't really, I don't want revival. I don't like the word revival because it gives me the depiction that you got to revive something that was dead in its current state. I've changed my mind because the church, the people of God, our society needs a revolution. Our faith, our walk, our life is an expression to those around us of the manifestation of the goodness of God in our lives. And as a church, as a body, as a church family, I'm, I'm saying to you that there is something that God is doing with us, moving us into a place of an expression 
to this community of what God is capable of doing. Not like, oh yeah, that could have been God. No, I'm talking about Red Sea parting. Lion shutting their mouths. I'm talking about fire quenching. An expression of God that He is calling us into. That He's going to show Himself strong. So Lord, why? number one, why did, you, why did you have them wait for Pharaoh's army? And He said, because I like to show up and show out. See, God's not hiding himself from the world. The world, the more it studies, the more it investigates, the more it decides and finds out that really there is a God. And this mess we've been creating all these years is really a lie because you cannot quantify an unquantifiable being, which is God. And everything that he does is an expression. It's his fingerprint. And so he's pulling us to a place where he wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to show himself strong in your life to where people look around and they smell. You remember what we talked about Wednesday night? Those of you, he smells what you're cooking. It is time for us to cook some things up for the world around us so that they, mm, what is it? What is that smell? What is that? And you can say that is, that is the fragrance of God. And you invite them into this place where they have an encounter with God. Stand to your feet. What is it that's the obstacle in your path? What is it that is in your way that you can't? The enemy's on one side and Satan's on the other. I mean, Satan's on one side and the obstacle's on the other. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's your job. But whatever it is, I'm telling you that the very thing that is your obstacle is the very thing that God is going to use to walk you to the other side. Father, in the name of Jesus, we release our faith together in expectation and full assurance that your power and your might and your strength is going to circumnavigate the current problems and situations that we face. We choose to put our faith in you. We choose to fear not. We make a choice to not meditate on the things that are going to cause us fear, but we will meditate on your goodness. We will meditate on your protection. We will meditate on your word that takes us from the place of fear and moves us to the place of faith. As a body and as individuals, we stand together and say, in the name of Jesus, all things will come into alignment. And in the name of Jesus, we will arise because our life is in your hands, our life in, in whom we live and breathe. You are the one that we live and breathe and have our being is in you. And we declare that we are alive and that we arise to the occasion. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mr. Don, why don't you come on up with the...
Cornell, you come on up too because I know you got to. And Grace. Thank you, Lord. I know this was a little out of the ordinary, but that's okay. That's good. I like, we like that. Amen. Um, everything that he just talked about, I've experienced myself. And so I'm going to share with y'all my most recent testimony. Um, when he was talking about how the devil will try to deceive you when you get delivered from something um, and you receive deliverance in your life, and then the devil will try to deceive you and say, well, it was better then because now you're in a position where you have to fight the enemy so much stronger because it is the scales have been pulled off of your eyes and you're able to see the spiritual attacks. You're able to feel that. And that's real. That's real stuff. And so it's hard to kind of like keep fighting that, keep fighting that, keep fighting that. And you're like, Lord, I thought I was delivered from this and, and I'm having to fight this and fight this and fight this and fight this. And I just don't know what to do. And I feel like I don't have any energy. And, and you just, it's real stuff. It's real life. It's real experiences. About a month ago, I got delivered from an oppression that had been on me for about a year. And if you don't know what an oppression is, it is a real spiritual attack that attaches to you. And if you allow it to grow, it will grow and grow and grow and to a point where it could even possess you. But um, this thing, uh, it, it got attached to me, but I didn't really... I didn't really, you know, like, Satan, get out of here, flee from me, and, and just push, 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 push for it to just go. I just, you know, went about my day because people as Christians, people don't realize just because you're a Christian don't mean that you're kept from all of, you know, Satan and his, and his traps and, and all of that stuff. No, you have to fight that all the time. And if you get complacent and you don't start fighting it, then stuff will get attached to you because the enemy, that's who he's triggering. He's triggering the people who are trying to live for God. And so if you will let any kind of crack in that door, he's going to try to come in and he'll be sneaky about it because God has made you aware of the spiritual attacks. And so, um, and he was sneaky. And so it, it, it settled and then it started to grow. And then all of a sudden, you know, just... I mean, God got a hold of, of me spiritually one day, and I just, it was a process, but I got delivered from it. But after that, I had to fight so hard, and it seemed like, God, I'm delivered from this, but I will, tr I will tell you, the hardest thing I had to fight was doubt. Because once I got delivered, it was as if the enemy was telling me, you feel you you know I'm still around you you know this this and that and trying to make me feel like it was still attached to me but it wasn't attached to me it was just him trying to deceive me and and the enemy will do that he will trick you and he will make you feel like you were not delivered that that is not real that just because he's around you doesn't mean he's on you anymore he's trying to make you feel like he's on you but if you would just stand your ground and persevere through it, I mean, I'm telling you how real this was and how difficult and frustrating it was to press through. You have to press through, though, because if you don't press through, you don't receive the peace and the strength because if you just stand there and you just let him punch you all day long, I mean, he's just going to punch you all day long. and He's going to continue. Once he tries to deceive you more and you allow that to happen to you, then you could be back in that position that you were in. 
but it's a mindset thing. And so you have to keep pushing and keep persevering and keep knowing that, that there is strength through what you're going through and count it all joy. And no matter what season you're in, count it all joy because God knows and he's working through everything that you're going through. And so even like last week, like I would hear voices around me. It was like spiritual voices of the enemy. And they would try to just attack me and attack me. It was as if they were tormenting me. But I just kept praying, kept believing, kept pushing, because I knew that this was just something to make me stronger. Because if he's not attacking you, like he said, then you must not be doing the will of God. You must not, not be doing something right in your life. Because if he's attacking you, then that means to me that I'm doing something that I should be doing. And he's scared, and he don't want me to figure that out. He don't want me to step in, so he's doing all he can to make me not step at all. But if you feel so strong, because this is the thing that the enemy will do. He will blow something up so big that is this small, and all you have to do is step. But you'll look at the big thing he blew up, and you'll be like, this is just too much for me to want to, you know. I don't know if I want to do that. And you'll get to a point where you don't even feel like you want to move. But if you... It's so simple. God is so simple, and the enemy tries to complicate everything that is of God and his word. But if you would just take that step and take it out of not even thinking, because if you take it and you try to think about it, that's going to keep you from wanting to do it more. But if you will take that step without thinking, you will break walls, and you will, you will cast out demons away from you because they're sitting there waiting on you, and they're, like, trying to make sure you don't step but if you would do that, there are just so much amazing things that you can receive spiritually, strength, all kinds of stuff. And it is right before you. And all you have to do is step sometimes. All you have to do is walk. And God will add to your measure. And, um, but I just wanted to share that because everything that he talked about, I was like, yes, I've been there. Yes, I know what that's like. Yes. And so I wanted to share this testimony with you because I am an example and I went through something like that. And so I know how difficult it is in the natural, but imagining how much strength your spirit gains just because you fight it in the natural, it's, it's unbelievable and it's amazing. And I'm not, I don't have to deal with those voices as strong anymore. Amen. It, like it left me. But, Amen. Um, I just wanted to share that with y'all. Amen. You know, there's a difference between pressure and bondage. Just because there's pressure, that doesn't mean you're in bondage. I felt like that was for somebody. You've been in bondage. You know, bondage, you can't. You have, bondage has to be broken. Pressure just has to be released. When we release that power, when we release that pressure, Jesus felt pressure in the desert, but he spoke his word. And so some of you have been freed from bondages, but you still feel the pressure from time to time. That's a big difference. Don't respond to the pressure as if it's bondage. Respond to the pressure as if it's illegal, as if it's oppression, and just speak to it. Amen? Last Sunday we talked about that as we're transitioning as a church into the, the new the birthing that God's calling us into. During that transition, there are things that come up and things that transpire.
from resource standpoint, financial standpoint. And so we told you last week that financially we're walking through some of those things, endeavoring to get the wisdom. I can't even say it like that because that makes it sound like it's not. We believe the Lord is speaking to us. There are some things that are in front of us that we have concerning this facility, concerning this loan that we have been approached about, that we are praying about for the wisdom of the Lord. We want clarity. We want direction. But we also want you to be involved in that process. And so one of those, one of those things is that it costs over $6,500 a month just to run the facilities. We're not putting pressure on you. We're not asking you to do anything. We're just letting you know as a family, this is like a daddy sits down with his family and says, okay, you know, when we built our house, we sat everybody down and said, okay, we're building a house. So that means all of our resources are going to the house this year. There's going to be certain things that we're going to do. That's all this is. It's just letting you know. And so what we're doing is we've asked you to pray asking you to pray, Lord, what would you have me to do over and above what you give and as far as your tithes and offerings? And so that box, baby, look back there in that box, that white box right there, that's our, what we've designated, or you can write it on the envelope and put it in the offering. Whatever sacrifice, whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit's leading on you to do while we walk through that transition. Everybody good? You, you follow me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. Lord, we thank you that our giving is nothing more than an expression of, of honor and thankfulness to you. We don't give because we have to. Father, you, you said we give because we get to. Let not, let, not, let not anyone give grudgingly or of necessity, for you love a cheerful giver. So I pray, Lord, that we just have that each and every one of us, in and of ourselves, give this expression and this offering and this tithe to you cheerfully, saying thank you for what you've given us financially, for how you've blessed us in our lives. We just give this to you. We bless it. And we sanctify this gift to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may come and give. Thank you, Brother Don. All right, real quick, two announcements. Um, one, tonight is the last Sunday of the month, so that means it is game night. All right, so bring drink, refreshment, snack, you know, something like that. You need to bring yourself, obviously. We encourage you to bring a friend, and I believe they need to bring a game. We need to bring a game, right? All right, so it is game night, so bring games, all right? So that's, that's announcement number one. Announcement number two, um, not, not today, but next Sunday, um, we're having a youth pool party at the Musgrove Manor in Valdosta. So I let the youth know last Wednesday, but they do need to fill out at least a permission slip. It's, the cost is free. Um, we're leaving here at 2 p.m., and we'll be back at 8. So we're basically going to leave here, go to the mall, go to the Musgroves, and then come back. 
and there's food, all that stuff. So it's all taken care of price-wise. It's $0. I just need a permission slip. So if, uh, if you weren't here last Wednesday or, like, you just need one, just let me know, and I'll get you one. All right? So that's it. And then announcement number three is not an announcement. It is I'm inviting Grace up here. She's going to um, talk, a little about, talk a little bit about Africa as well as show us some pictures and stuff. So without further ado, here you are. So I want to talk a little bit before I show my short little five-minute um, slideshow. It's fun. It has music, so it's not boring. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to just share with you because I know some of you really invested in this, and I know, um, you know it was important to you to give in, so now I want to give out. Um, while we were there, you know, we just came and we were greeted, and we started off doing, like, morning sessions where we were teaching and um, Miss Laurel and we had a whole team that was in like a condo place so it doesn't really feel like we sacrificed a lot because we were being treated really nice in this really nice big place where they fed us every day three times and um, so the people there the team got really close and you'll see some clips um, you know it was just nights of laughter and you know just fun time spending together and so we did a couple of outreaches as well. We went to a place, Nagatari, just about three hours away from Kigali, which is the capital of Rwanda, Africa. And while we were there, you know, we were able to minister to um, a couple of the schools where the first session was like close to 300 students. And then the next session, like maybe an hour later or two, was around 200, maybe a little more, give or take. And then that night, we were able to minister to some of the youth. And we took a team of about 23 youth that came from the outreach in Kigali, which was awesome. They were just so on fire for God. You know, they had just been built in, built in, built in. And the, the whole theme of it all was called to be the light. And so we were pouring into these youth during the day. You know, just allowing them to ask questions. And they had so many questions. The youth there is like 13 to 30. So they had real life questions. <laughs> real life, like babies and stuff. And um, awesome. Okay, got it. Um, so, yeah, I want to show you all a little clip um, of all the things that we did, of all the kids that we touched, of um, just the outreach in the communities where we would just preach the gospel just in a village, you know, just preaching out. And we had, like, hundreds of people come. It was just so God, It was so good to see God move in ways that you never expected because people don't go out and take that step and see what the Lord will do. You know, he'll, he, they ask, can you do this and this and this specifically? Let God exceed your expectations because what pastor prayed over us, he did, exceeded far and beyond. So I just wanted to um, share with y'all, if you would, we'll put the thing up.
and mercy. Your mercy, 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 your Lord of mercy, mercy, mercy. Your mercy, 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 your Lord of mercy. You deserve the glory. trip justice, but I know that you all are hungry. <laughs> so that was just a little taste of what happened. Um, nothing compared to, you know, how good God did for all the people there, for the team that was there, and even for you because you invested in it. So I just wanted to thank you for everything, um, and I can't wait for God to do more and exceed expectations.
Huh? Yeah, of course I want you to say something. Everybody saw you up there, they want you to say something. Then you just pray us out. How about that? Huh? No, you got to share too. Bring fire down from heaven before we leave and go to eat, right? Oh, thanks for the expectation. <laughs> no, I want to just say, like, Grace, thank you so much. You guys were part of it, but it was very impactful. Um, the ministry to the young adults, to the youth, to the children, the team, the way we united as a team. I do want to give this testimony. One of the main things, when I was on the way to the airport, I felt like the Lord said in my heart, this trip was about Grace and Julian. And so I tried to really just step back and let, and they were, they were amazing. And But one of the main things we heard several times about Grace and Julian, their life and their testimony was in Africa, the only impression they have of young people in America is what they see in movies and what they hear in pop music. And so for Grace and Jillian to come along and be so bold in their love for Jesus and their expression for Jesus was amazing. And what it did, we'll only know in eternity what it did to give confidence in those young people to be, to be bold and be expressive. And it's the first time many of them have ever stepped out and shared their faith, gone out and prayed for people. We all did things we'd never done before. And the confidence it gave them to, to be bold in their faith for Jesus because of the light that shone through Grace and Jillian. I think that was probably the biggest impact. Um, that was made and so it was just it was beyond words beyond expectation and you guys all had a part in that so thank you so much for being a part thank you for sending us oh yes thank you Oh, want that testimony. Okay, one of the things that we did was, and tell me if I have this right, um, the, the, the guy who headed the whole ministry that we went to work for, his name was Steve, he kept hearing reports all week. The first week we had workshops in the morning and then crusade meetings at night. And he was hearing, the workshop, morning workshops were training. And he kept hearing people say, he thought there was a handful of people who wanted the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, and to speak in tongues. So the last me morning of the workshop, he, um, we every morning we would break into small groups well the last morning he had one specifically for anybody who wanted to um, receive the baptism of the holy spirit and spoke in tongues we were all amazed when about half of the crowd came over there there's probably between 40 to 50, 45 um, that came to get filled with the holy ghost so me and the other gentleman the elderly gentleman you saw up there his name is al we were over that workshop so we gave him scriptures and we prayed for them oh and there was a guy there that when i was before we broke into workshops i publicly addressed the whole group about praying in tongues and baptism the Holy Spirit and there was a man there and um, he he didn't believe in praying in tongues so he publicly challenged me on the praying in tongues part and, and the Lord just worked that out and we just kind of smoothed it over and went on so then when we broke up into our small groups um, we had about 45 in our group so we we taught them a little bit of the scripture prayed for them and about half of them got their, their tongues began got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues so then we split the group up so those who had not yet received I took them over to another part, and there's about 20 or 25 to pray with them again, to go into Scripture a little bit more and pray with them again, because I hate anybody to walk away when they want their prayer language and they haven't received it. So I needed an interpreter, though, because my first interpreter stayed with the first group. Well, he was there, that guy had, that had opposed that, uh, it and actually had been opposing Steve all week. I didn't even know about it. He was there, so he offered to interpret for, for me. And so, um, so that was fine. So we would let him through the Scriptures, and then when it got to the part about now let's all just release our tongues and pray in tongues he was just interpreting for me and when we all began to pray in tongues the holy ghost came on him and he began to speak in tongues <laughs> changed his theology and then two days later two days later we had our first children's meeting and there's about 40 or 45 kids there and 
was there more? The first one in the, in the, where we fed them lunch and you taught them duck, duck, goose? Okay, there are a lot of kids. So anyway, um, so then, you know, I, we led, had praise and worship, and I teach the kids, I always do this, how to hear Jesus speak to their hearts, because I want them to know Jesus is alive. So then we asked them, what did Jesus say to them? And one of the little girls raised their hand and said, Jesus, God said he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And I knew God was speaking to me that he wanted the kids to get the Holy Ghost. So then we prayed with them to get, receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, and several of them got their tongues. So it was just that kind of thing all week long. So anyway, and any, any fruit from that, any long-lasting fruit, um, you know, we all share in that and so forth. So we all share in that. This is, you can't, we couldn't go without you. So anyway, so let's just pray. One last thing about game night tonight. It starts at 6, 6 to 8.30. So I just want to say that. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this family. I thank you for the time together. I thank you for the testimony, not only what you do in Africa, but do right here in our hearts and the continuing move of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we just thank you that you are at work building the kingdom and expanding your kingdom on this earth. And we thank you for the honor of being a part of that. And just speak blessing over every household, blessing over every family that we all leave this place with the testimony, with the song, and to be a witness for Christ to our community in the name of Jesus. And as we say in Children's Church, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.